he says, if it is important, then you test it frequently. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. So it's not one of those things you have a company initiative to test this this one time. No, you test it frequently. Why is that the case? Well, I think it's because it's back to this this idea that there's more malicious actors or more malicious ways things are going to go wrong than you realize. Hey, good day and welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. I'm here with my good friend Josh. How are you, man? Doing great. How are you? Awesome. Hey, we we got a great early dive into the brand new book, All the War They Want by Jeff Engel, who is a who is a cyber consultant. What has he not done? That's true. He's uh, he's done a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> it's really quite cool. I'm like, I, I'm not worthy of reading his yeah, I know. Uh, book, like, but it was gracious. awesome. It was fun. Yeah. And for those of us not in the military, those of us not into cyber, there's a lot we have already talked about. Hey, we're going to apply this to our work. We're going to apply this to mm-hmm. our life. But um, before we jump into his brand new book that's coming out very soon, uh, All the War They Want, uh, what's your devotion for the for the day? Sure. <clears throat> so I took this, um, kind of made me think of this passage when I read the uh, one of his principles in the introduction called, People Don't Rise to the Level of Their Potential, They Fall to Their Level of Training. And you and I know that very mm-hmm. well with running. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Because, <laughs> I mean, I can imagine my potential being really fast, but mm-hmm. my training does not uh, dictate that I'm that fast. <laughs> but scripturally, you know, I connected it to a passage from First Timothy uh, chapter 4, 8 through 14, that says, um, Rather, train yourself in God- godliness, for the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. In fact, we labor and strive for this because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of everyone, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It is given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands and the council of elders. And so it made me think of, you know, this passage because... um, Really, it's, it's talking about the training of our minds, training mm-hmm. of our hearts, training of you know our spiritual development, regardless of your age, right, or regardless of your experience. Um, and I think that's just an important thing to remember that um, his the concept, this principle, it can be applied really to every aspect of our life. Um, and I thought it was particularly, it was very helpful to sort of remember that, and we'll talk about several aspects of how in business, you know, we, we our people will fall to the level of their training. Um, but it applies to our personal life and spiritual life as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as we've talked earlier, discipline truly does bring freedom. It's why there's practice in sports mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. there's training in our companies. So Jeff Engel, you know, who is it? Who's Jeff Engel if you don't know who he is? He's chairman and president at Conquest Cyber, um, which is a risk management, uh, national security and business process optimization company. So um, we have a interview with Jeff Engel coming up, and I'm sure he'll explain more what what his company does. But essentially, he ha- he has a military background, but he's very active in cybersecurity. But this really can uh, apply to a lot of different areas. So his new book that com- is coming out, All the War They Want, not only talks about cyber warfare, it also mm-hmm. talks about business as well as life and how we can apply it. Yep. So what stuck out to you about his book? Yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of things here, and I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting to my notes. Um, 
But he talked a lot about, you know, throughout the book, there was this theme of uh, rule breaking, which I thought mm-hmm. was the thing, you know, that's interesting kind of throughout that we can talk maybe piece by piece through. But he had this really, you know, great story to start off with where basically he saved the lives of himself and his men by not following the rules, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a helpful, um, almost seemingly contra- contradictory statement that you have to learn the rules to then break the rules, uh-huh. right? And so I think we can talk about that. I'd be, love to go into some of those because some of them are really interesting. But I think that he um, definitely calls out this really important point that to really understand and, and, and innovate in an industry, you have to understand all the rules, mm-hmm. right? So my, like I work in healthcare, which is a really similar situation, right? There's plenty of technologists who come in and try to break the rules, but they don't quite understand the culture and the politics and the structures and the billing processes and all the convoluted way healthcare works. Ever be able to now innovate. I'm also in healthcare. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If we break certain rules in healthcare, they call that fraud and put us in jail. Right. So <laughs> yeah. let me just get that exactly. out there. No. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's important. But at the same time, you can't, until you know how to follow those rules, mm-hmm. you can't figure out which ones to actually break and be successful. And I'm sure what he will say is there are certain rules that can be broken yeah. and other ones that cannot be broken. And we've talked a lot about ethics. And, but one of the first things he says in his book is intelligence preparation in the va- in the ba- in the battlefield. So he's mm-hmm. coming up on his battlefield um, expertise. But he's like, first and foremost, you have to know the environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it because some people want to just swoop in and say, "Hey, this is how it's going to go." No, right. you have to know the environment that you're yeah. playing in. Where where are you going into war? Mm-hmm. What country? What part of cyber, what part of healthcare, what part of plumbing, depending on who we're talking to. Right. Well, and the other thing, uh, building on that, you know, you guys hear in the first one about knowing your enemy then, too. So knowing your environment, know your enemy. And I think that's really helpful for um, the consulting work I do because so many times, especially in a large, complex industry like healthcare, and I think this is true across others I've worked in, public health, education, government, it's so easy to, like, blindly hate the other mm-hmm. right um i mean in healthcare my goodness providers hate the insurance companies right insurance companies hate the providers everybody hates the emr companies i mm-hmm. won't mention them but it's kind of epic right uh, <laughs> nobody like they and they're viewed as like the great satan right I, I left one job and i went to work for another type part of the industry they say oh you're going to work for the great satan right there's this inability to understand your adversaries mm-hmm. in the sense of like, oh no, they're actually rational people making rational choices with the information and resources at their disposal. So if you think about them differently, like he talks about, it's actually really helpful. I really like that part. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that. So he starts he starts with know the environment, know the enemy, and then also know yourself. And I loved what he said in terms of knowing yourself because mm-hmm. this, is, this is kind of the onus of coaching yep. is – you know, everyone can say, hey, I'm going to coach you in this direction. But in my coaching of others in growth areas, the real beauty is when you start to truly get to know yourself and all the baggage that comes along. Because we might be working mm-hmm. uh, we might be working in an area, you can misread the situation because no two situations are the exact same. There's a lot of similarities, but you've, you have to know the environment, the enemy, and yourself. Yeah, no, and I think that's important too, and that's where experience begins to make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you know 
so many times it is important to have at least a member of your team who's really experienced because they will at least, you know, on the one hand, you have to have creative thinkers who maybe have less experience. So they're sort of willing to ask the naive questions that may actually get you the right answer. And on the other hand, you need people who have experience enough to be able to understand the nuances of what makes this situation different from maybe mm-hmm. one, the one we saw as a company a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, things like that. So it's, it's, that's why I think it's important to have kind of this both and to your teams. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. So you alluded to it earlier on. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you'll see in the book is he has a lot of areas break this rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's one or two examples that stuck out to you? You know, he was saying, hey, here's a rule that you should break. And yeah. that's one of the things that stuck out to me in the book. I'm like, hey, that's a really cool idea of how he does that. Yeah, I, you asked me before I got to my notes. Um, <laughs> well, here's here's an interesting one. So there's a several, but there's one on page 39 around technology. This is really interesting to me just because I've either been on the um, the side selling or pushing the technology, and I've also mm-hmm. been on the side adopting the technology, mm-hmm. right, in terms of the work that I've done. And <clears throat> I like that he said, you know, break this rule by the best of breed technologies and break this rule brand names mitigate risk. And I thought that was really interesting, you know, because one, it's so many times we assume the, you know, the best of breed, we do, we assume the best of breed is like always the best, if you can afford it, you go that route, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, oh, because I did this, actually this RFP for this large um, public health, um, basically community information exchange or health information exchange, but for community or uh, groups too. Um, where we had a very large Fortune 10 company submit. And so it was just this automatic, like, oh, we know their security will be great. He'd like this. We know their security will be great because they're blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right? Three-letter name. I won't say who they are, but three letters, right? <laughs> you figure out who they are. And, um, and it was this assumption that probably was wrong. Right? It's like, break this rule. Like, don't assume just because they have a brand, right, they're great. Right. Also, I think his point about best of breed was actually, from a cybercrime perspective, it sort of sets you up for more risk when you have too many technologies that are sort of floating around, more more systems, and healthcare is, is notoriously bad for that. Um, I mean, I've worked on solutions trying to stitch together the vast array of vendors and databases and technologies that are all best of breed on their own, mm-hmm. but there's no single integrated platform for them to operate on that actually enhances the patient experience. And so I, th- I really like those two because those are, those are front and center problems in, in at least a lot of the spaces I consult in. Now, one of the things he says, and this is kind of along the same lines, he goes, these are the people to worry about. Car- careless workers, inside agents, disgruntled employees, mm-hmm. malicious insiders, and feckless third parties. What do you think about that? I mean, it gave me, overseeing a company and coaching, it, that, that, that one sentence he said gave me nightmares, but it's true. What yeah. do you think? Which, chap, which uh, page are you on? Sorry, you said that. Which page? I, it's a note on my iPad. Oh, it's a note on your iPad. Okay, I was trying yeah. to keep, catch up with you in the book here. Um, no, I told, yeah, well, and that's, I think it's like this, break this rule, right? Only crazy, malicious people hurt others through tech, right? Mm-hmm. There are, you have more vulnerability points than you realize. I think oh, that's his point, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's also, um, for the strategy consulting work that I do, it's really true from a strategy perspective, right? You have more strategic breakpoints than you realize. Mm-hmm. You have more people out there figuring out how to disrupt parts of your business than you probably realize. You have more people trying to take your customers 
than you realize in different ways than you realize, right? You have more people trying to, yeah. So it, it's really, it's applicable across not just cyber, right? But also mm-hmm. just generally in business, people in, from a sales and a strategy perspective, I think. Yeah, and, and I love how he lists, lists them all. Careless workers mm-hmm. can really hurt one's business. These are not workers who are trying to do harm. But through their no. carelessness, yeah. or even as we read in our devotion, lack of discipline, we need discipline to protect ourselves in certain areas. Right. You know, it could be, or it could be inside agents. Those are the worst because a they're working for you, and mm-hmm. b they're trying to harm you. Um, disgrunt and so inside agents or disgruntled employees, malicious insiders, or even feckless third parties. You know, those are other companies that you work alongside. They mm-hmm. can hurt you as well too. Yeah. You know, I got to say, my favorite one though. I'm not. He, I'm not sure if he meant to, but I have to ask. We'll have to ask him about this. If he's a big fan of the show that I like, okay, Cobra Kai. Have you seen Cobra Kai? No, I haven't. I know what it is. You haven't seen Cobra Kai? I've been too busy working. Oh well, I'm not too busy. Well, well tell I've me. So, so you know what it is. I know what it is. Right, Karate mm-hmm. Kid. Surely you saw that. I did. You're of a certain generation. Mm-hmm. This should be like you should eat this stuff up. This is like nostalgia 101 for you, someone your age. Like you're. You're more in the 80s than I am. I, I am. I'm way I mean, older. I, I, I was born I, in the 80s. Yeah, I was born in the 70s. Exactly. So w- what did you like about that? So he has this break this rule. He says, never throw the first punch. Well, that's mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. Strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. I so love it. So I bet he's going to be all about Cobra Kai. I bet you we should see him get him on the show. We'll find out if he's a Cobra Kai fan. That, I, that rule says me. I'm going to bet he learned it in the military. We'll find well, out. of course he did. did. I'm just saying I bet he's a Cobra Kai fan. I'd say he learned it from Cobra Kai. <laughs> And if he, even if he did, he'd never admit that. I wouldn't expect him to, but, you know. I he think, would just punch you first. I bet you he's a Cobra Kai fan. Okay. We could. I, I do like the idea of throwing the first punch. You know what we should ask him? What? should ask him, if you had to pick a dojo, Ooh. Okay. do you pick Cobra Kai? Or do you pick, uh, oh, jeez, I'm forgetting the name of the other one. Whatever the other one's name is. Okay. Yeah. There are multiple dojos. No, no, but, no! In the in the show. Well, I haven't watched the show. Oh, okay. Well, I'll come up. Either way, there's I'll lots, come with the question. There's lots, lots of different we'll ways see. of okay. doing Don't, martial. We won't tell them beforehand. And right? I'm not going to jump into an area that I'm not an expertise on. By the way, I have three people at my company that are all part of different dojos or dojons. One's Korean. It was really kind of interesting. Yeah, but okay. that's a that's a side topic. Well, there you go. Keep going. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things he says in the I don't like this because. It, it, it's too rigid, but he's spot on. He says, if it is important, then you test it frequently. Yeah. Frequently. Yeah. So it's not one of those things you have a company initiative to test this this one time. No, you test it frequently. Why is that the case? Well, I think it's because it's back to this this idea that there's more malicious actors or more malicious ways things are going to go wrong than you realize mm-hmm. right and things in the world are so dynamic and they change so frequently that if it's important you have to test it because the things you may have tested it for in the past may not even dem- you know it may not even be the right pieces right mm-hmm. so so i think that it's helpful to um constantly challenge your most vulnerable points right i think that's the idea mm-hmm. um because if that breaks, whatever they did. And I can see that from a military perspective, right? If you've got certain lines that you're trying to protect or certain boundaries to your, you know, space that you're trying to, you know, either advance on or defend, you've got to make sure those are, you know, the most importantly defended pieces, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to be careful about them, test them. Um, it actually, the whole book actually, speaking of that, made me think a lot of 
we've talked on this podcast a lot about the three C's, mm-hmm. right? Character. Competency, character, community. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things his book actually made me think is we, or maybe me, I won't throw you even with that, uh, may have overlooked or undervalued is the competency piece. I sort mm-hmm. of assumed that competency was easily taught, and that's mm-hmm. sort of the easiest of the three. But his book made me rethink that entire construct. Because of the fact that he was talking about, you know, people fall to the level of their training. Well, that's competency. It is. Right? Competency is also where you would find your ability to hold up your most vulnerable places mm-hmm. on a particular, quote-unquote, business battlefield, if you will. And so it actually made me rethink the fact that we probably have not spent enough time talking about the importance of competency and actually raising, not just assuming like a base competency, but actually finding ways to raise an entire company's level of competency and the importance that that provides around a training perspective. So that's fascinating. I'd love to percolate on that. Um, One of the rules he says to break is do your research before you decide what you really want to do. Mm -hmm. So he says break that rule because someone would say do your research. He's going to say break that rule. Now I know why. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, a lot of times you need, I believe that's the case is, um, we don't always have time to do all the research in the world. I'm not saying run blindly into something, but a lot of things, it takes a lot of reps. Mm -hmm. And so you can't always do all the research in the world before you jump into something. Yeah, I I think that's, well, yeah, I guess that's not what I interpreted when he said that. I I was interpreting that. When he says, do your research before you decide what you really want to do, what what do you think he's saying? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about... um, actually the Lencioni book, right? Okay, on The Working Genius. On uh, The Working Genius. And the fact that there is a working genius around discernment, right? And good discerners, and I'm probably biased because I am one, mm-hmm. don't really need to do a lot of research. You just kind of know. And so I think as long as you have a key member or two of a particular leadership team, whether it's the CEO or a couple other folks, you really don't have to do your research if you have good discernment. Like if you have a really good sense of who you are, right? Your environment, your enemy, your own strengths and resources. Maybe you don't have to do as much research because you should be able to figure it out pretty quick. It's actually pretty apparent to some degree, the right decision. But then I'm, I'm going to have to sit on that. But I don't know. What, what do you, I mean, it, you were thinking of it differently though. Yeah, I was thinking of it differently because a lot of times you have to get into something mm-hmm. before you really know where you want to go. And one of my biggest, uh, pet peeves is when I'm being sold something for how oh, here's this thing and here's this need and mm-hmm. and then I end up buying it I'm like well I didn't need it it sat in the corner for whoever knows how long yeah. and what I you know sometimes he you know he says break the rule do the research before you decide mm-hmm. no get into something and get your hands wet does this is this a problem that I truly do need fixed sometimes right. yes yeah. other times no right right, so, right you know get into it and figure things out first no, and that's true. I mean, that's, and we do that with, there's a, actually a client I'm working with right now where we are pushing for basically the most minimal uh, features that they need to get it out to the public because um, we're building them. Um, I can't get into what we're building them. But anyhow, we're building something that's going to really drive the way that patients engage and, and, and navigate mm-hmm. the system far more e- e- uh, easily and digitally than today. Um, but we could build for two years. Right, but no, we're kind of we're trying to figure out what's the absolute minimum, using all the resources the client already has at their disposal. We're not going to build new stuff, 
and get it out to the public as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Because I could do a lot of research and I could do a lot of consumer testing, but why would I do that when I can just get it out to the public and the consumers can tell me, right? They may hate part of it. Oh, absolutely. But what we've built so far, I keep telling our team, is it's a grand set of hypotheses based on some analytics. Mm-hmm. It's not completely a guess, but it's pretty close. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we can let consumers tell us, you know, what they like. And so I think that maybe that's what he's getting at, too. It's just the idea that if research can be done through the actual, like, piloting or testing of something. So One of the things that stuck stuck out to me in the fourth chapter was the section he he. he he highlights on framing and symbolism. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I absolutely love, and you know, when he's talking about cybersecurity, but it, this can be applied to any business, any life situation. He goes, framing is the package of an element of rhetoric in a way that encourages desired interpretations and discourages others. Where symbolism is the words, people's marks, locations. So what we're doing, mm-hmm. whatever you want to accomplish in business or apply we need to at least understand the importance of framing and symbolism mm-hmm. with it. Just don't say, hey, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, that means absolutely nothing. Without the, What story are we telling mm-hmm. that yeah. we need to do this said action? Yeah. And even as we do training, of uh, training our employees, what is the story that we tell? Mm-hmm. In coaching, I would work with my clients. What's the story that we tell ourselves? Yeah. How does that correspond with the facts or does it? Yeah. No, I think that's, you know, it's important that we understand, right, the way we want to culture, we want to build internally, right? Mm-hmm. It's based on that. But it's also around how we talk to our customers, right? How do we frame and symbolize the brand that they're associating with, right? Because that's important, you know, versus just the actual product itself, right? So there's both and that you have to do really well. You have to build a great product mm-hmm. or services, but you also need to talk about it to your customers in the right way. Talk about it to the public if it's consumer or public facing. Absolutely. Right, versus a B2B business. But either way, you want to instill confidence in them that what they're buying is something really meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so um, so we, we have time for one, about one more point. What what last point of the book really stuck out to you from beginning to end? And, you know, our, our next podcast get one is more. on, well, we have business application next week and the week after that. Life application. We're even going to yeah. throw a bon- you know a bonus episode. We're going to interview him, so yeah. we'll see his perspective as well too. Right. So this is also us interacting with the text before we've talked to Jeff. Yeah. Um, so I think the last one I would say is I, I like this chapter five breaking the rule around leaders should treat everyone the same. Dude, I love that. What see? is on my screen? There you go. We we, we like we, we planned it that way. Uh, uh, leaders should treat everyone the same. I love this because. It's it's so often we forget that it's not that simple, Mm-mm. right? We either try to make it a complete meritocracy, which is probably also not healthy, and no. on the other end of that extreme, we tend to try to make it, you know, everyone too equal, right? Which is also not true. <laughs> everyone might be created equal, as the Constitution says. Absolutely. doesn't mean that they are in their terms of their giftings mm-hmm. <laughs> and their abilities. And they're, you know... <laughs> So, so there's a difference there, and I think he gets to that nuance. I appreciate how he digs into that, right, and talks a little bit about um, the the uh, the complexity of that one, the messiness of it. But I love how he says, "Break this rule. Um, leaders should treat everyone the same." Yeah, no, <laughs> don't do that. No. So I appreciated that. I liked it. Well, good. Well, hey, uh, 
All the War They Want by Jeff Engel. A uh, link to the book is in the show notes, so do go pick it up. It's well worth the read. Next week on the podcast, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do bit, we're going to do business application. Yep. How do we apply this to our individual business? Chapter so, seven specifically, right? Mission is a concept. Absolutely, Great. that will blow uh, your socks off. And you know how? What what is that? But anyway, that's next week, right? Excellent. In the meantime, hey, please do us a favor, whether you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify or listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a thumbs up and a five-star review. Uh, and in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us, go to the consultantwithcoach.com and do, uh, I want to just thank Jeff and his team for sending us this book ahead of time. Go out and get the book. So yep. until next week. Sounds good. Okay. Okay.